Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. You have your Bible? Hold it up. Let me see. Got your Bible? Excellent. Well, Lord, as we study your holy word, we ask that you make plain whatever we need to understand. Help us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Well, if you follow with me on your outline before we read the text, I want to share a few things with you. Um, This is on your notes. There's a group of us that have been meeting for about a year trying to flesh out things like vision, values, and mission. It's not been an easy thing to do, but we want to have a guide to help us stay true to what the Lord wants us to do as a church family. We've shared these before with you. If you'll uh, continue to take notes so it gets deep down in your heart, our vision is lives transformed. Say it please, lives transformed. If lives are not transformed, uh, we're not doing something right, and it's by the presence of God. Say that please, by the presence of God. I can't change anybody's life. Can't even change my life. But The Lord can, and his presence can. We talked about our values, trying to condense and make sure we communicate the things that are non-negotiable. The vision is where we feel like the Lord is taking us. The values are what we hold dear and non-negotiable. The first one is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not Lord, then we're not doing anything right. And then the presence of the Holy Spirit who enables us to live the Christian life. And then the authority of Scripture. And then we are a house of prayer. We believe in sharing the gospel. It is a gospel that opens hearts and gives people eternity. And then discipleship. We want people not just to come to Christ. We want them to grow in their faith. And then people. Everyone say people. Jesus died for people. Jesus loves people. Therefore, we should love people. And no matter where you've been, no matter your past, we're going to love you and help you right where you are. And then global missions. There's still 2 billion people that have not heard the gospel. There's something wrong about that. A lot of us have heard it thousands of times, but there's people that have never heard it once. And then we want to help people find their calling by developing leaders. People that would give their life in service. So that's values. Now let's go to our mission. Our values inform what we're to do. What are our daily, weekly, monthly activities? So it kind of goes like this. Out of God's presence, it's not just out of the flesh. Our heart is to engage people. We are initiators. We introduce ourselves. We love people. We Get involved in people's lives because Jesus has told us to go. He didn't tell us to stay. He told us to go. And then we want to connect with people. We want people to connect with the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's these steps here. Engage, connect. And by the way, in these four areas, uh, in the coming months and the rest of the year, we're going to form teams around these four activities so we can make sure we're we're on target. Then we want to equip people. We want people to feel like they've been trained. They know how to do things. We don't just want them to come to church. And then we want to send people. We want to help people find their calling, their place. Because we all are called just as much as anybody else. Because Christ has given us in Matthew 28 the Great Commission. That's the overall picture. Uh, have you got it so far? You got it? I'm sorry, help me out. Have you got it? Okay, so you got it written down so you can think about it. Now, let's talk about the next uh, passage in our study of the book of Revelation, the sealed of Israel. And I want to say this is very, very, very important. Maybe Maybe you read this. Maybe you've never read this. But I want you to know this is important because it's coming. What you're going to read today will happen, and there's a good chance you're going to be around, and you're going to see this, this take place. So let's, uh, let's read 
these first eight verses, and we'll start there. Verse 1, I'm reading out of New American Standard. After this, I saw four angels. How many? Standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree. Verse 2, I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Okay, let's go to verse 4. I heard the number of those who were being sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Ireland. Does it say Ireland? Does it say Sweden? Does it say Nigeria? Does it say Argentina? From the sons of Israel, the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, how many? The tribe of Asher, 12,000. The tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Verse 7. The tribe of Simeon, 12,000. The tribe of Levi, 12,000. The tribe of Issachar, how many? You're kind of getting the drill. The tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. The tribe of Joseph, 12,000. The tribe of Benjamin, 11,463. Does it say that? It does not say that. So as we go back to verse number one, verse number one starts that there are four super beings that are sent by the Father to the four quadrants of the compass surrounding the globe. They take their positions, and I don't know necessarily how to interpret this, I'm not saying I'm accurate. Uh, You have to wrestle with it. And they shut off. They turn off, at least for a brief interlude. Something pretty important. What do they turn off? They turn off the engines of the Earth's atmosphere. You say, Pastor, why would they do that? Uh, I'm not God. I'm not sure. But my guess is it is a wake-up call. It is a wake-up call before the storm arrives. Now, I've sat on a couple of airplanes on tarmacs in Ecuador and Chicago and other places. And for some crazy reason, the plane couldn't take off. So there's 80 or 200 of us sitting in that plane. And they shut the plane down. And there's no air conditioning. There's no nothing. And I think my record is about an hour. And it is hot. It is miserable. It is uncomfortable. People are complaining. But everybody's alert. Next, we see a fifth angel arrive. And he's carrying something very significant. He has a seal. Everyone say seal. A seal of the living God. What is a seal? Well, the closest thing we have to a seal today would be like a, a, a notary uh, public stamp. But in this day and time, seals were something that were used a lot. It's a medallion. And the medallion signifies something. And there's an image on the medallion. And it was usually pressed into hot wax on, and then placed on an important document. That is a seal. Uh, Two weeks ago, we studied the scroll, the book with seven individual seals on it. Now, the seal implies three things. One, ownership. Somebody owns the contents of what has been sealed. Number two, I struggle with pronouncing this word at the first service, authenticity which means I verify that the contents are correct inside the document 
what I shipped is exactly what is in the box. It's authentic. And third, it signifies that what is in the package, in the envelope, in the box is protected by the one that sealed it. In this case, the seal has the name of the true and living God on it. And it is communicating something very, very powerful, which is in contrast. You notice in scripture, one of the ways the father teaches is is through contrast. Things are very opposite and different. And so there's another seal coming in the book of Revelation, and it is the mark of the beast. You say, Pastor, is the mark of the beast a real deal? It is a real deal, and it is coming to our nation and to the world. Could it be in three years? Could be. Could it be in 30 years? Could be. I don't know. That's not my business. But it is coming because these four passages are the the words of Christ, and they say they are coming. Now, this is not about politics, and I'm not getting into all kind of stuff, but our country's been through a difficult time the last couple of years where our government has said, you will have this if you're going to be allowed to do that. And a lot of us have lost people that we love during that time. I get all that. I'm not, this is not about politics. I'm just telling you, Our country has been set up for what is coming. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Now, here's a warning. Pay attention. Are you listening? Don't take my word for it. The word of God is either true or it's not. The warnings in these verses say this. There will be more pressure than ever before. You cannot work a job. You cannot buy gasoline. You cannot buy groceries unless you have this mark. But here's the warning of what Jesus said. Now, my wife was reading through the book of Revelation, and I was too. And she said, Steve, you got to do a series on this. Because our people don't even know what it says, especially young people. They don't know how serious the days ahead are going to be. And here's a warning. Are you ready? This is Christ's words. If anybody takes the mark of the beast, you will never see heaven. Those who take the mark of the beast will ultimately ultimately be cast into the lake of fire. So, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what the scripture, don't even believe what I say, you Read the book for yourself. Now, the fifth angel said to the other four angels, and these are real super beings, do no harm. Everyone say, do no harm. Do no harm to three areas. Do no harm to the earth. Do no harm to the vegetation. Do no harm to the water water supplies, to the oceans, the streams the lakes, the rivers. Wait, why wait? Until, everyone say until. Wait until God's servants have received the seal. Why, Steve? Because the seal is the protection for the servants of the living God. They have the seal, they are protected. Now, let me talk to you. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you were converted, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Hold your hand up. Are you born again? Okay, when you received Christ, I was age 18 when I did, something happened in the invisible realm. I was sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
I didn't know it. I knew I was different. I thought different. I acted different. I wanted different things. But the seal of the Holy Spirit from the Father said, I belong to the Father. I didn't belong to the devil anymore. I don't even belong to my own family anymore. I belong to heaven because of the seal. The seal showed ownership. Secondly, when you receive Christ, the seal showed that you then came under the protection of heaven. The protection and care of heaven. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Read this with me, please. Having believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The seal says, don't tamper. Mine. The third thing the seal of the Holy Spirit does for you as a follower of Christ From the day you were born again, you were commissioned and called to serve him. And serve him only, not serve yourself. Serve him only. And fourth, the sealing only happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not a preacher. It's not a church. It's not your grandmother. It is a third person of the Trinity that puts that stamp on the soul of your life. Verse 14 of Ephesians 1 says, the one who he, the spirit of God, was given as a pledge, everyone say pledge, which means it's a promise. Our inheritance, because you belong to God. You You are God's possession. That should make you feel a little taller. Okay, are you you with me so far? Okay, let's keep working through the passage. Now, what we see in verse number four, there is a missionary army of converted Jews. We read about them that awakened during this difficult time on the planet. And they will be the greatest force for evangelism this world has ever, ever seen. Now, people are coming to Christ today like never before. Evangelism around the globe, not so much in America, but in Latin America, Africa, and Asia, it is just soaring off the charts. But it is really going to accelerate when these 144,000 Jews, and they might be in Buenos Aires. They could be in New York City. They could be in Savannah, Georgia. They could be in the Ukraine right now. They could be in Tokyo. They could be in Nigeria. But they're just going to awaken like an army that comes up out of the grave. Now, I want you to see history as one Long story. The work of God in the nations of the earth. This explains one of the reasons why the Jews have been the most persecuted people on the face of the earth. Your enemy knows the Bible. And he knows there is an army coming against him and it's Sort of like not one Billy Graham, but 144,000 Jewish, everyone say Jewish, Billy Grahams that are released on the earth and the devil is going to have a meltdown. And not only are they... Billy Graham-like in signs and wonders, and thousands of them will die for the gospel. They will share the gospel and get killed. Share the gospel and get killed. Share the gospel and get killed. But they are Jewish evangelists. Think about the determination of that little five-foot runny apostle Paul who was tougher than a pine knot, you could stone him, you could beat him up, you could lock him in prison, you could shipwreck him, and he just kept getting up 
and going back again. The Jewish people are some of the most determined, one of my Jewish friends says, an obstinate people in, on the earth. They will not quit. They're all on or all off, and these guys are going to be all on, and it's going to be amazing. And they will share the gospel with Jews and Gentiles, with Muslims, with Hindus, with Buddhists, with Satanists, with atheists. And the greatest multitude which you're going to see in the rest of the chapter will come to Christ. And it will happen during these last three and a half to five years of that seven-year period of earth as we know it. Let me bring it back closer. 49 years ago, in June, something happened that changed the world. Billy Graham went to Seoul, Korea. He preached out in the open for five days to 3.2 million people in Korea. Ten days ago, we had a Korean missionary pastor about my age <clears throat> with us. And he shared with us, this was a catalytic event that changed the destiny of South Korea. South Korea today is the most Christian nation on the face of the earth. They send out more missionaries than anybody except America. I bumped into South Korean missionaries everywhere. They are the prayingest bunch of people you will ever find. Churches have prayer mountains. Church, Korean churches, people get up at five and pray at their local church every day. And this started 50 years ago in June next year. So to bring it closer to home, the Koreans are concerned about the American church. Someone say, help us, Lord. <clears throat> they once had nothing. Now they are blessed. And they see America as riding the edge of a knife. We're on the fence. We could fall toward God or away from God in absolute corruption and God bring judgment on this land. And so the Korean church is concerned about us because they say, we got our faith from you guys and we are hurting for you guys. And so in two months, they're going to send 20 teams of 10 intercessors to 10 major cities to pray for a week. And Church of the Savior, we're going to take a team of 10 right here. And we're going to share them with Man of War Church of God because we love that church. And we're going to work together. And they're going to have prayer in the morning, prayer in the evening. And they're going to go to different places and pray. Places like Cane Ridge, where there was a great awakening that changed our nation. They're going to go there and pray. They're going to go to Asbury and pray because there was an awakening. They're probably going to pray at UK's campus and say, Lord, do it again. Do it again right here in Lexington. Do you want them to come? Would that be yes or no? Yes. Amen. You want them to come. Now, these recently to be converted Jews will be the new redeemed Israel that Paul talked about. And they will finally fulfill their purpose as the First witness nation, the chosen people that had the gospel to take the gospel to the rest of us Gentiles. And they will fulfill their destiny. And God will take 12,000, pay attention to the number. Numbers in scripture, very important. 12,000 from each one of the 12 tribes. And his seal says, I will protect you until you accomplish your mission. 
Someone say, bless God. Now, why are we talking about this? Because I want you to understand it. Now, I'm just kind of quirky. I kind of like to look at stuff. But if you think about some of the descendants of the 12 tribes, here's Judah, the line of Judah, David, the founder of the Messianic line, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, Isaiah. Caleb, the old man at age 80, said, we can take the promised land. God gave it to us. And our Savior, the lion of the tribe of Judah himself. Then we see Reuben. Everyone say Reuben. I looked and I could not find one single descendant listed in the scripture. But I want you to know just because they're not listed doesn't mean they had no impact. Some families have greater impact than other families. What's it based on? My guess is how available they are and the choices they make. Now, I want you to notice something. If you look on the map, there's always truth in maps. Look at Reuben right here. They were on the east side of the Jordan and they were, the, one, they were one of the first of the 12 tribes to fall to paganism, to fall to invading armies. But it wasn't because of geography. It was because of idolatry. He didn't fulfill his destiny as a firstborn. And then Gad, everyone say Gad. Great warriors, this passage says the men from Gad were as fast as gazelles and they were as fierce as lions. The prophet Elijah came from that tribe. And then Asher, everyone say Asher. Anna the prophet, this woman in her 80s, it was so close to God, heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Lord said that family right there out of 300 families. That young woman is holding the Messiah. I want you to think calling. The Jews had a calling and everyone in this room has a calling. God has something for you to do. Number five, Naphtali, Barak, the general that worked alongside the prophetess Deborah. I want you to think purpose. You say, well, I'm not a number one. Well, support the number one. Stand by the one God wants you to stand by because if you don't stand by them, they can't fulfill what they've got to do. Do what the Lord has asked you to do. Number six is Manasseh. Everyone say Manasseh. That's the tribe Gideon came from. The lowest of the low. And Jephthah came from. And then Simeon is another one. I could not find a single name. Now notice, look at the map. You see Simeon? Simeon was given property in the middle of the bigger tribe, Judah. I look at that and I go, Simeon got absorbed. Simeon lost their identity. And the Lord would say to all of us, don't. Lose your identity in Christ. God has made you wonderfully. He's given you a purpose and a calling. You're made in his image. Don't let the devil or anybody take that image of God from you. Number eight is Levi. These are just a fraction. Moses, wow. Ezekiel, amazing. Malachi, the last prophet in the Old Testament. Matthew, the cheater, carpet bagger, tax collector. He had an office in Frankfurt, I think. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And then Barnabas, the one that rescued this young, fiery guy, Saul of Tarsus, and said, let me mentor you. Number nine is Iskar. Number 10 is Zebulon, and we see of the 12 prophets, uh, 12 judges in the book of Judges, these two men, Tola and Elon, 
were both judges. Then we see the family of Joseph. We see the one that took him to the promised land, Joshua. We see Gideon. We see Samuel. And then Benjamin. Do you know anything about Benjamin? Some of you, I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know what you're talking about. Benjamin was almost wiped out because of sin. But they made a comeback. The first king came from Benjamin. The prophet Jonah came from Benjamin. The prophet Jeremiah came from Benjamin. Mordecai, the one that got his adopted daughter into the palace of Persia and saved the nation. And then the apostle Paul came from the tribe of Benjamin. Now the number, take a breath. Okay, the number 144,000 is significant. Why? Because the number 12 says perfection. The number 12 says completion. And you have a super group of 12. You have 12 times 12. And the Lord is trying to communicate. Now these people are literal people. who will be sharing the gospel, but their number says something. What does the number say? The number says there is assured victory here. It's going to happen because I've made it happen. Now, you say, well, my name's not in any book. Well, your name doesn't have to be in a book for God to use you. Okay? These people are ones that the Lord would call elect. Everyone say elect. What do you mean elect? Well, it's not what some people say. I want to make it simple. The elect are people that have a job to do. And the Lord said, will you do my job? Will you let me help you? And will you do the job? That's called the elect. And these folks are going to complete the task. You have a job to do. Will you complete the job that the Lord has given you to do? Now, this text throws out a bunch of questions. And sometime this week, I'm going to have some of my better buddies say, well, what about this? Or that makes no sense. Or what about this person? And they're going to ask me questions. And I'll say, I have no idea what I'm talking about. There's some questions unanswered here when you look at this. One All the Jewish genealogical records that were so precise for millennium were destroyed by Rome and Babylon. They're just gone. So most Jews cannot trace where they came from. You say, well, Steve, why is Levi included when they had no inheritance in the land? They were a tribe of priests. The answer is, I have no idea. Well, Steve, why is Joseph mentioned instead of his son Ephraim, who is always paired with his brother Manasseh? And I'll give you a great answer. I have no idea. And here's another one. Well, Steve, the tribe of of Dan is in the book of Ezekiel as part of the kingdom coming down the Uh, in the next millennium. But why is Dan omitted here? And that's the the tribe Samson came from again. No clue. So, if these 144,000 are coming from 12 tribes, can you tell me where they are today? And I will say absolutely not. Not. There are people who are Jewish and don't even know it. If you've ever heard, you've ever heard of something called the Ten Lost Tribes, hold your hand up. You ever heard of the Ten Lost Tribes? Maybe, sort of. 
Well, what happened in 732, because of idolatry, God allowed the Assyrians to come in and either all the Jews of the 10 tribes in the north were either killed or taken off into slavery and resettled around about 10 countries. And they just disappeared. Well, I'm even more confused. Well, let me bring clarity. God knows where every one of them is. He knows who the descendants are. He knows where they're working. He knows where they're living. And my guess, they're going to be young people. I want to say we love missions at this church, but I want to say we're doing some significant things in Israel today. We're funding a man who is preaching the gospel. He's the only Messianic rabbi allowed to do it. And he's teaching the scripture every day. We are funding a group of young millennials that have a media ministry that are pro-life and are sharing the gospel. You know what they're doing? They're sowing seeds for this. They're sowing seeds for this. Now, this is cool. This is not in your notes. But the high priest, every time he served in the tabernacle or the temple, he wore a breastplate. And the breastplate had 12 birthstones representing the 12 tribes. And the Lord said, I want you to wear this every day you serve me because I want the people to know they are on your heart and my heart. And I carry them on my heart. So our high priest, Jesus, knows exactly where they are. And he knows exactly where you are. Now, this is the most important thing. I've gone from preaching to meddling. Can I meddle for a little bit? I've been at this a long time, and I just really want to help you not make some of the dumb mistakes I've made. This is important. Don't get hung up. Everyone say hung up. One more time. Don't get hung up on what you don't understand. New Christians read the Bible and they go, well, I don't know why that happened or why this happened. And they just get discouraged and quit. Don't get hung up on what what you don't understand in the scripture. Don't get hung up by what happens to you in life. Because all of us have horrible things happen in life. And we're not going to get the answers in this life. And we just need to stop trying to figure those things out for ourselves. Don't allow, allow your lack of knowledge. Does anybody have a lack of knowledge in here? Am I a lack of knowledge? I got lack of knowledge. I got a degree in ignorance, which means I just don't know stuff. Don't allow your lack of knowledge to hinder what you do know to do. Now, this, this is important. This is not in your notes, but the devil will mess you up over this. He will absolutely mess you up. There are thousands of Christians at home, not in church, Christians that have kind of lost their faith because something happened or they don't understand something and it messed them because the accuser of the brethren came because they insisted they had to have every question answered. They were always striving, pushing, can't rest, can't let stuff go. To be honest, some of you guys are wrapped pretty tight. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you wrapped pretty tight? I'm just wrapped. Just wrapped tight. You can't rest. And you just, just almost demand God to give you answers on stuff. Well, he's not going to give you answers on a lot of stuff. And the devil will come behind you when you're discouraged and confused. And he'll say, see you there? God's not fair. God's not just. God's not kind. Then he'll say, and he doesn't love you either. And when he starts doing this, and when you start doing that, you're in trouble. All because you didn't understand something. Now, I've thought about this a long time. This is not in the Bible. This is conjecture, but I think this is how Satan got into Judas' heart. Judas couldn't wait for the kingdom. Judas thought in his little pea brain because he had somebody whispering to him that Jesus was not moving fast enough. 
And so, because he had to control stuff, I have to make something happen to cause Jesus to step up and take the kingdom from these Romans. 30 pieces of silver is nothing. And he got messed up. Now this is in your notes and this is important, okay? Pay attention, are you listening? You and I need to permit God, say permit God. Give God permission to withhold stuff from us. And that stuff he withholds from us is called the secret things. Now, read this verse from Deuteronomy with me, please. The secret things belong to the Lord your God. He's not going to tell you because you couldn't handle it and it would mess you up. So he's not going to tell you and he's not going to show you. Read the rest of the verse. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of the law. So what he reveals, go with. Job, who stayed true and stayed faithful. But in the last couple of chapters of Job, Job calls his, God the Father calls his son over and say, now Job, you and me need to have a little talk. You've been talking about things and you don't really know what you're talking about. Neither of those other guys. He said, let me just ask you about 15 questions. Where were you when the sun was created? Who created snow? Can you answer that for me? Who made the oceans and the stars? So, if you're one of those people that has to be in control, I want to say, all of us in this room, as far as I know, we honestly don't have a lot of control over most things. Can you control your adult kids? That would be a no. Can you make your heart beat in your chest? No. Can you fix this nation by snapping your finger? That would be no. This is about how much control I have. I got 2%. I can obey the Lord, but the other 98% is in his hands. And that has made me relax so much because I can't control this stuff. I can't change people's hearts. I just need to obey the Lord And now write this down, please, somewhere in your margin. This will liberate you. It is perfectly okay to say, I don't know. It's okay for you to say to your kids, I don't know. But let's trust the Lord. Now what that is called is suspended judgment. And there's a lot of times I just don't know. And I go, I'll just have to wait. I can't figure this out. I'm not smart enough to get my head around it. So I'll suspend my judgment. And I've suspended my judgment. I used to understand all the scriptures. I had all the answers. The older I get, uh, not so much. I know what they say. So in my point, he can show me when he wants to show me. And if he chooses not to show me, it's okay. It means he protected me. It means he helped me, loved me, protected me. Now, this is the last thing I want to say about this, and this is important. So what do we do, Steve? I'm all messed up. I'm wrapped up. I've got full of regret. I don't know how to process. I'm upset. Got all this stuff going on. Here's what you do. Just wait. Just wait. Chill. Be cool. Trust him and rest. If you can't rest, you're carrying it. And you got to let him carry it. You're not big enough to do it. So the father always has this, this passage says this to me. The father always has a remnant of people in every generation and every family. There's some people in every family that have the seal on them. And God's working in them. And some of you have lost hope. You're praying for your kids. Or you're praying for your dad. 
or you're praying for your brother and you just are so discouraged because it's been five years, 10 years, 20 years, and it seems like no change. I want to say God has not forgotten your family. The prayers that you pray are active and they will work for your family. Don't stop. Don't quit. Remember, we're talking about a long timeline here. And your prayers, despite what the devil says, have been heard by the Father. And he's on them. And they are eternal. The prayer that you pray tonight will work even once you're off the planet. This week, I met a precious young woman, 30 years of age. I was talking to her, and she was sharing her testimony. And she just said this right out in front of God and everybody. She said, I'm a follower of Christ for one reason. I had a praying grandmother. And my grandmother prayed this pagan girl without ceasing into the kingdom. And I'm here because of the prayers of my grandmother. So I want to say there's a calling on your family. There's a calling within your family. There's a calling on your family. And there's a destiny for you. As we've gone through all these people in scripture, you're in the family line too. You belong to the father. You've been sealed. So how do I manage this? Worship team, would you guys come on out? This is what I would say. Just stay close. Get closer to Jesus this year than you've ever been. Don't let anything or anyone take your hand out of his hand. Don't let discouragement get you. And keep growing. You should be growing faster this year than you have at any point in your life. And obey the Lord. Whatever he says, you'd say, yes, sir. Because he knows what's best. Don't get distracted by the falsehoods in our culture because they're everywhere. They are everywhere. And don't let your hurts, don't let your sin, don't let your disappointments take you out of the game. You get back up. Dust yourself off. Ask forgiveness. And you start walking with the Lord again because there's too much counting on you staying in the race. Don't let the poison of the devil get in your head and your heart because obedience will always pay off. Always. Always. You say, well, Steve, it's not real fun what I'm going through right now. I'm actually, my heart is torn up. I'm broken hearted. I'm distraught. Well, all these great people we just read about, Joseph, the betrayal. You get back up. You do the right thing. You trust the Lord because he's not only going to bring you through, there will be books written about you and your obedience in the next world because he writes the final chapter Because you've been sealed. You belong. You have a calling. I want to close this time in prayer. We trust two things around here. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And he's been working today. He's been speaking to every one of us. God's Word is true. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts right down where we need surgery. So let's just, let's just pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, there's been some discouragement in this room because of past mistakes, poor choices, rejection, betrayal, But Lord, you would never reject us. You would never betray us. You love us with an everlasting love. So release in this room 
today your love. Release your power, your love, your compassion, your mercy in the room. You do it, Lord. You do it, Lord. Release it online for people watching. We ask for your touch, Lord, your healing touch. I pray there'd be some tears that'll roll down people's cheeks. And some people in this room would hear you call them by name. Lord, wrap some folks in your arm today and get us back on the field. For anyone in this room, people watching online that need to surrender to Jesus. Right where you sit, right where you watch, say, Jesus, come into my heart today. Change me from the inside out. Make me your child. Cleanse me and forgive me and make me your servant. In Jesus' name. And during this last song, the altar is always open. It was wonderful at the last service to see children get out of their seats and get on their face before the Lord. So if you have a need, you just want to do business with God at the altar, please come and let him meet you here. going to be singing Agnus Dei. Would you stand with me and let's just worship the Lord together. Be free in this time. If you need to sit, if you want to kneel before the Lord, if you want to come pray, um, feel free to move about.
upon you this morning. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your rest. Lord, thank you that we can experience heaven because of your blood. You are worthy, Jesus, to receive glory and honor and power and praise both now and forever. Can we say amen? Amen and amen. Well, in light of what we just learned from Pastor Steve and what we just sang, and by the way, that was just a holy, beautiful song, wasn't it? I feel led to share the scripture with you from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Matter of fact, why don't you just repeat it after me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all my ways, Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. Please go get your kids. They're a lot older now, and uh, you guys have a great day. God bless you.